0: It's a
1: new
2: day, hear His Word, let us pray, the sunrise morning show. A way to start your
3: day.
4: On this Wednesday, the 15th of November, let us begin together in prayer. It is the Feast of St. Albert the Great. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, draw all people to Yourself. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is darkness, let us bring light. Where there is sadness, let us bring joy. Lord God of light, you have shone upon our darkness and set us free through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Grant us the grace to live in the freedom of the children of God, that where we walk this day we may bring light through the same Christ our Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Albert the Great, pray for us. You know, the Sunrise Morning Show comes to your EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network affiliate from Sacred Heart Radio in Cincinnati. It just so happens to be that St. Albert the Great is one of the patrons of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, so we intend to uh, make Mary in some form or other today. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lachman at the controls. Travis has got us up on video, and you can check the live stream at sunrisemorningshow.com in the show notes. Up this hour, uh, we've got lots to get to. We're going to talk to Chris McGregor with more stuff from the Office of Readings. She's going to look at a second century sermon on hope, and we don't even know who wrote it. Uh, Father Rob Jack will talk about how hope, by the way, helps keep us from two big mistakes. One would be despair, the other would be presumption. Father Rob, will sort all that out. Gary Zimak will take us to Psalm 33 today in our ongoing study of the Psalms, and we'll also talk to Jared Stout, Dr. Jared Stout, at the end of the hour. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news.
5: Good morning. A bipartisan group of senators is warning Iran not to turn the conflict in Gaza into a regional war. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham says the resolution introduced yesterday urges the U.S. to strike Iran if Americans are killed by Iranian proxies in the Middle East or if Hezbollah opens up a second front against Israel. Dozens of U.S. troops in Iraq and Syria have been injured in attacks carried out by Iranian-backed groups. Both Hezbollah and Hamas are backed by Iran. Meanwhile in Washington, the House has passed a stopgap bill that will prevent a government shutdown. Brian Shook reports.
6: On Tuesday, the House voted in favor of a Republican plan to fund some departments until mid-January and the rest through early February at current spending levels. The bill now heads to the Senate where it has bipartisan support. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said he would pass the legislation as soon as possible. I'm Brian Shook.
5: The U.S. bishops held six elections during their first public session of their fall General Assembly yesterday. Oklahoma City Archbishop Paul Coakley was elected Secretary of the Conference. Bishop David O'Connell of Trenton, New Jersey, was elected Chairman of the Committee on Catholic Education. Bishop William Byrne of the Diocese of Springfield, Massachusetts, was elected Chairman of the Committee on Communications. Bishop Robert Brennan of the Diocese of Brooklyn was elected Chairman of the Committee on Cultural Diversity. Bishop James Massa, Auxiliary of Brooklyn, was elected chairman of the Committee on Doctrine. Bishop Daniel Mugenborg of Reno was elected chairman of the Committee on National Collections. And Bishop Daniel Thomas of Toledo was elected chairman of the Committee on Pro-Life Activities. The U.S. and China are expected to announce a deal today that would crack down on the flow of fentanyl. President Biden is expected to announce the agreement when he meets with Chinese President Xi Jinping in San Francisco today. Under the agreement, China would go after companies producing and exporting the chemicals used to make the deadly opioid. Bloomberg reports the Biden administration in return would lift restrictions on China's Forensic Police Institute, which is an entity the U.S. has accused of human rights abuses. The Federal Reserve could start cutting interest rates this spring. Mark Mayfield has more.
7: That's according to a new estimate from UBS Investment Bank. The cuts could come as early as March. UBS said easing inflation could pave a way for a 2.75% decrease in the interest rate over the year. That would almost have the current 5.5% rate. It also predicted the economy would go into a recession by next year's second quarter, which would enable a rate cut. I'm Mark Mayfield.
5: The Holy See yesterday released the Pope's message for the next World Youth Day, which will be celebrated in local parishes. The theme this year is taken from Romans twelve twelve, rejoicing in hope. The Holy Father said, quote, as young people, you are indeed the joyful hope of the church and of a humanity always on the move. I would like to take you by the hand and walk with you on the path of hope, end quote. And retail experts say there may be fewer presents under the Christmas tree this year because consumers are buying fewer toys. Reuters says many retailers ordered fewer toys than usual because this holiday season, anticipating lower demand. Some experts, however, are expecting a late surge in demand. I probably agree with them. The experts say Barbie dolls, Transformers, and Hot Wheels are on the top of children's wish lists this year, but that parents worldwide are also struggling with high inflation. Barbie dolls, Transformers, Hot Wheels were revisiting my childhood. That tells you, my age group is the parents, are the parents now. <laughs> Today is Wednesday, November the 15th. It is the feast of St. Albert the Great. And, of course, on Thursday mornings here on the Sunrise Morning Show, we've been going through uh, one of the books that Father Robert Nixon translated called Paradise of the Soul. Um, And we've been getting some insights from St. Albert the Great on the virtues. And uh, he's also a co-patron of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, from which the Sunrise Morning Show comes. So happy feast of St. Albert the Great. Pray for us. Coming up next on the Sunrise Morning Show, Chris McGregor. It's 7 past.
8: Support is for MediShare. Let's see. If something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan double. MediShare works too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy, or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE.
5: Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Chris McGregor from discerninghearts.com. Good morning, Chris.
9: Good morning, my dear friend. How are you doing today? I am
5: doing fine. Always excited to get to talk to you in an interesting one this week. This week's selection from the Office of Readings for the Wednesday of the 32nd week in Ordinary Time and you were mentioning to me all this week this is um the office of readings in the the ordinary time readings taken from a second century sermon who wrote it.
9: We don't know who I sure would like to know, but then on the <laughs> other hand, there's something so wonderful about this because we don't know who it was, so the words have to stand even stronger, yeah, and somehow they do for uh 1800 years at least this has been such a strong sermon a strong homily that it 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 has been in, incarnated in the church's prayer here in the office of readings and it's a beautiful reflection isn't it
5: it it really is can you give us a sense you were so this is an excerpt we're going to be focusing on one of them but um, can you kind of give us an overall sense of what this sermon is about as, as people track with it through the week?
9: Yeah, I would jump in, everybody. Uh, you know, that's, that's the beauty of the Office of Readings. Even online now, you can find the office mm-hmm. for today. And, but I, and this isn't for today, this is for tomorrow. But in this whole sermon, he's speaking, I'm, I'm assuming it's a he, he's speaking to all of us. Um, how to live out the Christian life, especially in tumultuous times when we have all kinds of discord and we're fearful and we're afraid. And I mean, how do you do it in the where you're at? And this is what this sermon from the second century is telling us.
5: Ever ancient, ever new,
9: huh? Amen.
5: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this particular part that we are focusing on um, launches into a reflection on The virtue of hope. So so what is said here that really stands out to you, Chris?
9: My goodness, it is all about uh, that hope is is what will sustain us, and not to be afraid. Mm. It's almost as though John Paul is standing on the loggia again saying, be not afraid. You didn't
5: get quite the vampire voice. Be not afraid.
9: There there you go. You're very very good at that. (laughs) But seriously, what he... Yeah, what hes it's a simple, it's just, hello. He's right at the beginning, And so, my brethren, let us do the will of the Father who has called us to life. Focus that, right? That's what all the saints tell us, to do the will of the Father. Let us try harder for virtue and abandon the bad habits which pave the way for crimes to follow. Mm -hmm. For if we try hard to do good, peace will always be with us. That and is why men never, never uh, be at peace while they are dragged along by human fears. You can't have peace if you allow the human fears to drag you down.
5: And what really stood out to me in in that particular part, Chris, is the idea of having a fear as being a bad habit. Now, that's not to say, I mean, obviously, we know that that from a psychological standpoint, like having a reaction to something that's scary, you know, helps Protect us in a way, but but this but this is a deeper fear. I think that that this church father is talking about here, and that fear is a bad habit.
9: Mm-hmm. The thing is, I mean, you're right. I I want my kids to have a fear of touching the stove,
5: right? Exactly, because it w-
9: it will hurt them. But uh, uh, the human fear, like that's how we should feel about sin. I don't want to I don't want to sin. <laughs> don't want to touch because, the hot stove, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to touch the hot stove. But the thing is fear is the is the opposite of trust. And you know, what is our Lord always up calling us to? Trust me. Jesus, I trust you. and to remember the hope that gives us that endurance. That his his whole thing is about in in this particular sermon about hope. Now, just just a quick reminder, what is hope? That hope is First, that God keeps His promises. He always keeps His promises. And it may not happen, you know, in where we want it and how we want it, but it is always going to be better because you know that the Father loves you. Mm-hmm. He just alive. He loves you, and He wants to be with you. So um, we, we trust in His promises keep them and that He's stronger and bigger than us. And okay, what a
5: message for us to have as we are right on the cusp of advent right Chris I mean as mm-hmm. as we we talk about and I'm sure this is something that that definitely be discussed with, with someone on the sunrise morning show during advent that that beautiful sermon from from our boy Bernard of Clairvaux <laughs> on the three comings of Christ that yes okay we're remembering Christ coming in a manger two thousand years ago, but Christ is coming and we have to live in that hope. In this sermon, it says, Let us expect the kingdom of God hourly in love and righteousness, seeing that we do not know the day of his coming. And what are we supposed to do to keep up that hope? I think this is so interesting. Let us do penance. And and this was just kind of a thought that occurred to me while I was while I was reading this, Chris, I'm wondering if you can mm-hmm. reflect on it, that the the practice of penance can actually help us to keep up that hope. It's a reminder that Christ is coming.
9: Hmm. Yeah, and it, it, he doesn't say this in the sermon, but a little Carmelite did about 1800 <laughs> years later. Yeah. It's called The Little Way. Yeah in the suffering of the everyday little things, the little tiny pinpricks that may not seem like a suffering, it, it, but it's, you know, putting up with the, the guy you're working next to it in the cubicle who is really obnoxious and not, mm-hmm. you know, allow and, and being kind to him. Yep. And that's a suffering. That's a penance in a way. But you do that, um, it, we begin to change the world. it through him working through us in love yep. right so he's you know the what the what the sermon is telling us is, let's wipe off the slime the of slime. our old sins by doing heartfelt penance with love let us recover yeah. our health yeah. let's get better let's be who we're supposed to be Absolutely. you know Absolutely. it's a beautiful sermon isn't it
5: it really is. Thank you so much, Chris McGregor. And you can find DiscerningHearts.com, linked at sunrise SunriseMorningShow.com. We got headlines coming up next, coming up on 16 Past here on the Sunrise Morning Show.
7: For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. That's lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show.
10: I have been a school sister of Notre Dame for 72 years.
11: Most senior Catholic sisters, brothers, and religious order priests serve for years with little pay.
10: I always taught the primary grades, and I loved it.
11: Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime.
10: Thank you, and God bless you a hundredfold.
11: Donate at your local parish.
4: We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee.
5: That's right, their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission.
4: While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our
5: online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com.
3: This is Father Gerald Murray. Catholic truth conveyed through the radio reaches so many, both Catholic and non-Catholic, and they receive encouragement, strength, guidance, and enlightenment. The Holy Spirit is working through these radio waves that go out to all the countries of the world. Catholic radio, of course, is an effort to make Christ known.
12: The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio, now
4: more than ever. Seventeen past. Here's Anna with headlines.
5: A bipartisan group of senators is warning Iran not to turn the conflict in Gaza into a regional war. The U.S. bishops held some elections during the first public session of their fall General Assembly yesterday. And the Holy See yesterday released the Pope's letter for the next World Youth Day, which will be celebrated, of course, locally.
4: All right. Well, uh, so- rejoice and hope. I wanted to at least say a little bit about St. Albert the Great. I know he's going to come up multiple times, but mm-hmm. as you and I were talking before, you know, sometimes we get into the archives and we're like, oh, what's a cool interview we've done before on St. Albert the Great? And the uh, first one that comes to mind happens to be by the late Dr. Kevin Vost, who we lost this I, Easter season. Matt, I was um, I, looking hard through
5: the archives and it was like, oh, I've got to I think find about an him archive- all the time. Yeah, me too. All the I time. pray for him every day.
4: So, Dr. Vost has a book that I would recommend people go pick up, because it's a great, it's a fun read on St. Albert. Uh, It's a great way to honor Dr. Vost and his, you know, awesomeness, too, but it's called St. Albert the Great Champion of Faith and Reason, and he gets into a little bit in this book, uh, some of the the questions of nature and science and Mm. all that stuff that are, we take for granted today. But Albert thought about everything. He's called the doctor universalis, right? He's yeah, called.
5: Universal doctor.
4: Because he thought about like literally everything. I know. So. Uh, well, when Dr. you're Thomas Boast-
5: Aquinas' teacher.
4: Right. It's I like mean, you got to be. He learned it from somewhere.
5: Yeah.
4: Um, so uh, he goes through and, and picks out some of the questions that are kind of quirky in Albert's journals on nature. So of course, Dr. did. Uh, his questions concerning Aristotle's on animals. So, this is Albert commenting on Aristotle. And so, it has, like in book one, question 19, why do some animals have feet and some don't? Uh, <laughs> book one, question 26, uh, why do eyebrows that are straight indicate femininity and pliability, whereas ones arched toward the nose indicate distress and intellect?
5: <laughs> what did he write about it? Or did uh, he just I don't know. point just, him he's out? Just, he's just oh. pointing out these questions. Oh, okay.
4: Uh, whether the right foot is more unfettered and better suited for motion than the left foot uh, book 2 question 27 whether the human being ought to lack a tail naturally <laughs> <laughs> like it would t- so with the great here's what I love about Albert the Great he asks questions that like extremely high intellectual theologians ask but he also asks questions like that a five-year-old would ask like exactly. dad why don't we have tails
5: he was a yeah, he was a child. Both of those questions heart. matter. They really do.
4: Go get Doctor Vos's book. May he rest in peace may and may Saint Albert the Great pray for us. Pray for us.
13: Owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. I'm Father
14: Timothy Shear and these are Biblical Impressions. There are people in the Bible whose names we never learn, but their lives are perfect examples of faith. This is true for a brave woman whose story is preserved in the accounts about the great prophet Elisha. The woman had a husband who had been a prophet too. When he died, she faced terrible difficulties. Eventually, things got so bad, she was in danger of losing her children to slavery in order to pay off the great debts she incurred. That is when she went to Elisha for help. He told her to trust that God would provide for her. She had to demonstrate her trust in God by gathering as many empty jars as she could from the town where she lived from the few drops of oil left in her house god produced enough oil to take care of her debts and provide her with money for years to come she believed that god could fill the emptiness in her life do we for sacred heart radio i'm father timothy sheer Sunrise Morning Show continues.
4: I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Rob Jack. He's host of Driving Home the Faith on Sacred Heart Radio. That's the same radio station that produces the Sunrise Morning Show. Good morning, Father Rob. morning, Matt. So today we get to talk about despair and presumption and hope. Uh, I don't know if people realize that despair and presumption are actually sins. <laughs>
15: so Yeah, they're vices. I mean, you yeah. have the virtue, and then you have what we call excessive virtue and a defective virtue, because... You know, virtue always stands in the middle, and the uh, the gospel from this past Sunday really shows us the uh, the lesson. You know, it was funny. I don't know, there was a wonderful show back in the late seventies called The Duke's a Hazard, and and then, and there was a, a uh, sheriff, Roscoe P. Coltrane. He used to call somebody a dipstick if they didn't know what was going on. So, this uh, past Sunday, I said, "Don't be a dipstick. Always check your oil." because that really does focus on uh, on what the gospel is really about this weekend.
4: Right, and uh, the, there are a whole bunch of different ways to unpack this, but one of the things that immediately comes to mind is, you know, a hope in a Christian sense is not merely like, man, I hope the Bengals beat the Ravens this week on Thursday Night Football. I mean, that's just kind of like a wish. Uh, whereas if you're the, one of those five virgins that has her lamp filled, you have an expectation the bridegroom will certainly return, and that's why you
15: did that. That's exactly right. Yeah, it requires work. See, the first issue uh, where, where we have despair. Despair says um, you don't, you don't even know that you need the oil or that you have the oil. You just don't know it, and as a result, you you go around basically thinking everything relies on you. It's a heavy weight to bear, and you don't know how to fix it or if you can fix it. And that's the virtue of despair. You're left all by yourself. You don't recognize you've been given this gift by God, and that God will strengthen you. And so that's the defect. And we see a lot of that going on in the world today, where they just feel overwhelmed and and isolated. That's that's despair. I how in the world can God get out of this mess? Uh, and I or I can't get out of this mess. And it leads us to make some some very very terrible decisions. You know.
4: Yeah, and uh, I mean you see it in. Uh, well, in a lot of different ways, you see it in mental health crises, some of which you know have like biological components to them, but a lot of it is just if you just you know let yourself get washed over by terrible news story after terrible news story, and then you wake up and the first thing in the morning you do is check it and see how many more of those terrible news stories happened overnight you 're cultivating that spirit within yourself
15: well you are you 're creating a kind of um, a kind of slavery in which I, I've been put in this world, there's no way out, and I'm not, if I want to get out, I'm going to have to do that myself. And so that's one of the extreme of despair. The other extreme, of course, is that of presumption, and, and that equally is bad. You know, like I said, despair is saying, well, I don't even know where the oil is. I don't even know how to put, you know, check the oil to see or if I have it. Presumption is another name for entitlement. I don't need to worry about it. It's not my problem. And so, you know, when I was growing up, one uh, of the first things my dad taught when, when he said, you're going to drive, you're going to learn, you've got to check the oil and make sure all this is right. And, of course, that's back when you could actually find the oil and, you know, get in the engine and actually see what was going on. But you learned how to do that. And that, ah, I don't have to worry about that. That's dad's that's, that's problem. You know, or my sister had this car before I did, and she didn't believe in checking the oil. So when I got the car, it's like, holy Moses, I got a lot of fixing I got to do, because she almost blew the thing up running it It with so little oil. And that's that's presumption, you know. Uh, I think, well, I don't have to worry about it. I just got to drive. I don't have to worry about maintenance. I don't have to worry about checking anything. God's got it all under control. See, God understands. That's presumption. And, uh yeah, those are two words I get nervous when people say, well, God really understands why I did that, or God really understands. I said, no, he doesn't. He doesn't understand it at all.
4: Yeah. Well, I understand why I do certain things. That doesn't mean I should get a pass on them. <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the thing is, you know, where where presumption gets really dangerous, It's it's almost like going somewhere and doing something and, you know, stealing something from a shop and saying, ah, whatever, I know the owner, it's not a big deal, right? I mean, yeah. there's there's all kinds of ways that the presumption can play out, but usually what it is is giving ourselves a pass for something that we should probably not be giving ourselves a pass for.
15: Well, it is. I mean, we're basically saying it's not my responsibility because, well, you know, God loves me, God does it all. He'll fix this without me even caring because he loves me. That's presumption. Now, okay, so those are two extremes. Now, the real virtue of hope that this gospel really focuses on, is this fact, is that it involves both virtues, are both gifts, and they are also things we work at. And so the virtue of hope is the promise God gives us that we will reach our ultimate goal, which is heaven, but also that He keeps His Word and He'll help us if we work with Him. You know, I think sometimes one of the divine mottos that we forget is, this phrase. people, you got to work with me here. You got to help me. You got to help me out, not because God isn't powerful enough to do it, but rather He expects our cooperation if we want to be saved. And so, the daily sense of hope says, okay, there's indicators. You know, we get the check engine light in our life if we find ourselves in the, you know, feeling despair or feeling overwhelmed, or we're lacking peace in the life. That's an indicator for us. We just can't can't say God fix it. Instead, what we have to do is say, okay, Lord, I'm feeling this way, what am I doing in my life that I can then have to work on? What do I need to do? Do I need to ask you for more oil? Or worse, do I have a leak? You know, because sin creates a leak in the oil, and it dries out. It runs out. And so that's why part of our work in The Virtue of Hope is going to the sacrament of penance and confession. Because we go, we confess our sins, we let the Lord know, Lord, I got a problem here. I need a refill. And you go in there with a contrite heart, you confess your sins, and He fixes it all up again. And not only does He fix it, but He gives us the new oil of the grace of the Holy Spirit, sanctified grace, which enables us to keep running again. And so we assume either it's all us or it's none of us. But the fact of the matter is in our Catholic life it's both. We have to work
4: with God and all of it and now everybody knows why your show is called Driving Home. That's right. Father Rob Jack, thank you as always. Have a great day. Thanks you too, Matt. Half past the hour, here's Anna with news.
5: Good morning. The White House is confirming Hamas operates out of several hospitals in Gaza. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters. That includes al-Shifa, the largest hospital in the city. Patients are trapped by fighting and bombardment around that site. Kirby said Hamas uses tunnels underneath the hospital to store weapons and hold hostages and is prepared to respond to an Israeli military operation against the facility. In Washington, the House has passed a stopgap bill that will prevent a government shutdown. Brian Shook reports.
6: On Tuesday, the House voted in favor of a Republican plan to fund some departments until mid-January and the rest through early February. At current spending levels, the bill now heads to the Senate, where it has bipartisan support. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said he would pass the legislation as soon as possible. I'm Brian Shook.
5: The U.S. bishops held elections during the first public session of their fall general assembly yesterday. Oklahoma City Archbishop Paul Coakley was elected secretary of the conference. Bishop David O'Connell of Trenton was elected chairman of the Committee on Catholic Education. Bishop William Byrne of Springfield, Massachusetts, elected chairman of the Committee on Communications. Bishop Robert Brennan of Brooklyn was elected chairman of the Committee on Cultural Diversity. Bishop James Massa, an auxiliary of Brooklyn, was elected chairman of the Committee on Doctrine. Bishop Daniel Mugenborg of Marina was elected chairman of the Committee on National Collections, and Bishop Daniel Thomas of Toledo was elected the new chairman of the Committee on Pro Life Activities. The U.S. and China are expected to announce a deal today that would crack down on the flow of fentanyl. President Biden is expected to announce the agreement when he meets with Chinese President Xi Jinping in San Francisco today. Under the agreement, China would go after companies producing and exporting the chemicals used to make fentanyl. Bloomberg reports the Biden administration in return would lift restrictions on China's Forensic Police Institute, which is an entity the U.S. has previously accused of human rights abuses. The Holy See yesterday released the Pope's letter for the next World Youth Day, which will be celebrated locally. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tollick reports.
16: The theme of Pope Francis's World Youth Day letter, Rejoice in Hope, is a quotation from St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Reflecting on the saint's words, the Pope says that youth is a time full of hopes and dreams. However, he notes, we are living in a period of crisis when for many people, including the young, hope seems absent. Many, he says, feel, quote, as if they are in a dark prison where the light of the sun cannot enter. In such situations, Pope Francis asks, how can we experience the joy and hope of which St. Paul speaks? One important strategy, he says, is to recognize that hope is, quote, not a product of our human efforts, plans or skills. It is rather born of an encounter with Christ. Christian joy comes from God himself, from our knowledge of his love for us. A second method for maintaining hope in the midst of suffering, Pope Francis says, is to recognise that we can also be part of God's answer to the problem. Created by him in his image and likeness, the Pope says, we can be signs of his love, which gives rise to joy and hope, even in situations that appear hopeless. Having received this joy and hope, Pope Francis continues, we cannot keep it to ourselves. Nurture the spark that has been kindled in you, he urges, but at the same time, share it. You will come to realize that it grows by being given away. In particular, he asks, stay close to your friends who may be smiling on the outside but are weeping within for lack of hope. Do not let yourselves be infected by indifference and individualism. We cannot keep our Christian hope to ourselves, Pope Francis urges. It is meant for everyone. I'm Joseph Tullock.
5: Starbucks union workers are planning their largest strike ever for one of the coffee chain's busiest days of the year. Mark Mayfield has more.
7: Starbucks Workers United said in a news release that it is demanding the company come to an agreement over staffing and scheduling issues this Thursday on Red Cup Day, along with turning off mobile ordering for big promotion days. The union says the yearly event in which Starbucks gives away free, reusable holiday cups is the biggest sales event of the season and one of the most infamously hard understaffed days for the baristas that work them. I'm Mark Mayfield.
5: And the pallet fire that did major damage to the 10 freeway in Los Angeles is believed to have been intentionally set. That's the news. It's 35 minutes. Waking up with Mystic Monk
4: coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite monks of Wyoming
5: and your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission.
4: Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at SunriseMorningShow.com.
5: That's son morningshow.com.
13: Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me. Leah at com. That's Leah at com.
17: The Baltimore Catechism asks, What is necessary to receive holy orders worthily? To receive holy orders worthily, it is necessary to be a man in the state of grace, to have necessary knowledge and a divine call to the sacred office. Christ called apostles, and the apostles were all male. And those male apostles, well, they were to have the necessary knowledge. And so for three years, Christ walked with them and taught them, both by word and example. Christ showed them the way to be a priest so that they might then bring that priesthood to others. Christ called them and he says, follow me. That is what makes a man worthy, because ultimately, God does not call those who are worthy. He makes worthy those whom he calls. And so, worthiness then is recognizing that we must receive the call and accept the responsibility. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan.
4: The Sunrise Morning Show continues, and we've been doing a Bible study through the Psalms and picking a verse here and a verse there, things that kind of apply to the daily grind. Gary Zimak's been doing that with us. You can find him at followingthetruth.com. He helps people give up worry in regular life. He also helps people give up worry for Lent, too. But, Gary, how are you?
1: I'm doing well, Matt. How about yourself?
4: I'm doing well. We're in Psalm 33 today. What do we got?
1: All right, Matt. Today we're going to look at... uh, And, and, you know, like the overall theme of every, every time I come on with you, we've been doing this for years now. My overall purpose, my overall goal, as you said is, uh, and really the focus of my ministry, is to help others, and myself too, to overcome worry. And, and a lot of the times, uh, a lot of the things that causes, a lot of, what causes us stress very often is the fact that we either think that God's not in charge of our lives, of the world, of this, you know, the craziness we see around us, or that He doesn't see what we're going through. we we'll to look at a few verses from Psalm 33 today that remind us that Not only is the Lord in charge, but that he sees what we are going through. Through Psalm 33, verses 13 through 15. Here we go. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From where he sits enthroned, he looks forth on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds... I don't know, Matt, when you look at these verses here from Psalm 33, I think it's difficult to conclude either that the Lord is not in charge, he's not sitting on the throne because right here we read that he is enthroned in heaven, or that he doesn't see what we're going through. He's in charge, he's in control, no matter what we see, no matter what it appears like, he is in control He is in charge, and he sees everything that's going on.
4: You know, I'm just really struck in rereading this this morning. He looks forth on all the inhabitants of the earth, he who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. That idea that God fashions the hearts of all so he knows what's in each person's heart. That is a hard thing for me to get perspective on, Gary, because I know what you talk about on this show uh, I sort of have gotten a relationship with you you know, through doing radio over the years, but there's some stuff you're dealing with that you never tell me, <laughs> right? Yeah. There's some stuff I'm dealing with that I never tell you. There are people who are in our world who all we know them for are the things that they do to annoy us, but we don't know what burdens they're carrying. We don't know. There are all these people who are carrying invisible motives and burdens and struggles who they've maybe never told a soul. The Lord sees those. He made those hearts.
1: You know, Matt, I always like these conversations we have because they always... I never know what you're going to say. We don't script well, these good. in advance. Well, good. I don't plan right? it on and,
4: purpose. It's more fun to, you know, kind of like and, wing <laughs>
1: wing. And it I here. like it. I like it because the Holy Spirit leads us where we're supposed to go, and I really enjoy that. And one of the difficulties that I have in life, one of the things that causes me frustration is that sometimes other people annoy me. Sometimes they do things that, that I don't like. Sometimes, oh, you're, you don't say.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: right. <laughs> but, but it's true. So what, one of my goals, one of the things I know that I need to do is begin or try to look at people the way God sees them. And what you said is absolutely true. I don't know what is in the heart of that person who is giving me trouble, who has said something nasty to me. I don't know what they're going through. I don't know what their motivation may be. And I think that I need to start getting better. And I'm very aware of this, uh, at seeing others as God sees them. And if I'm going to claim that I love God, how can I not love those who annoy me, even my enemies? This is what Jesus said I had to do. So it's a very good point. God knows what's in all of our hearts. He, and, and we don't. So again, that is a, a message for all of us, not just to to remind us of the importance of loving one another, giving them the benefit of the doubt, but a reminder that God knows me intimately. He knows exactly what's in my heart. And I know that, but I need to be reminded of that every day.
4: Yeah, I absolutely need to be reminded of it. And you know, it's interesting. I I'm not from Philly. I'm from the South, so I was trained to be nice to strangers and be polite all the time. Like <laughs> even if I even if I don't like somebody, it's, it's just sort of a weird thing wired into me. It has caused me to lie a lot <laughs> about <laughs> yeah, right, right, how I feel right. about people. I appreciate the straightforwardness of my East Coast brethren. Uh, at least I know where they're coming <laughs> from and what they actually think. Uh, but, when it comes to that personal level, you know having the patience and, and that sort of thing is is a little bit easier for me with my neighbors um you know the people that I actually run into in person, but i'll tell you where it gets hard and and this is where I think it's also really important for us to understand that God made the hearts and God knows the hearts it 's easy for me to say you know everyone is made in the image of God and of infinite value and worth, but here are thirty five famous people who have been making horrible headlines. And Mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned, they have just nothing but impure motive. It's so easy for me to abstract, like, famous people, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Athletes, musicians, actors, politicians, sometimes even famous people in the church, and just say, well, I know what their deal is. Uh, It's very easy to dehumanize on that level. And then I find that when I do that, it transfers back down to the way that I treat the people in my actual life.
1: Yeah, exactly. We we just we tend to have this. Uh, we have this tendency to assume what somebody's thinking, what motivates them. Some, sometimes we'll see, and again, you make the point of famous people that we'll see in the media, wh- and they you, every now and then somebody will have a life changing experience. They'll they'll start talking. about They found religion. They found the Lord all of a sudden, and we sometimes look at them and say, "Yeah, that's right. It's all an act. It's all an act." They're they're just going through it. And it's a reminder for us to really learn to, to not judge people. We can, we can judge their actions, but we can't judge what's in their heart. We don't know why they do what they do. Uh, am I good at this? No. I, I fall victim to this every day. But it's a reminder for us all to, we're never going to know what people, what's really in the hearts of people, and, and therefore we can't judge their motives. We don't know what's motivating them. All we can do is try to give God the benefit, give them the benefit of, of the doubt, because God knows what they're going through, and treat them as, as the Lord would like us to treat them. And it's, it's also a reminder of how many times we're watching the news, or we're hearing about a celebrity doing this or that crazy thing, or even people at social media, friends of ours, online friends of ours who say crazy things, and we criticize them, we almost condemn them sometimes for what they're doing, or saying, oh, that person's a loser, they don't know what they're doing, instead of saying a quick prayer for them. And that's something i got to remember. These are real people, whether we're dealing with them in our lives, uh, we're seeing them in person, or our online friends, some of the things we see posted on social media anymore. And that's one of the reasons I was motivated to choose these this, these verses today, because of... A lot of what I see on my Facebook feed lately, um, and, and you know, or whether we're seeing people on TV or hearing about them in the, in the, on the internet, people, celebrities who are, are doing crazy things or um, in, in difficult situations, do we just take time to say a prayer for them because they are real people?
4: They're real people that came from real families, yeah, uh, who have real struggles, who have probably real trouble sleeping, and they wouldn't do stupid things if they felt at peace with, with, with themselves and who they are, right? And as you, you say, come. though, I have not mastered this skill, and neither have you. If we had, I don't think we'd be doing a segment on it. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've got followingthetruth.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From where he sits enthroned, he looks forth on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. Psalm 33, 13 through 15. Gary Zimak got you linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a great day.
1: Thank you, buddy. Talk to you next time.
4: 14 till back after this.
10: I have been a school sister of Notre Dame for 72 years.
11: Most senior Catholic sisters, brothers, and religious order priests serve for years with little pay.
10: I always taught the primary grades, and I loved it.
11: Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime.
10: Thank you. And God bless you a hundredfold. Donate at your local parish.
0: Support is from Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem, a Christmas musical film for the whole family.
11: This wasn't a dream. An angel came
13: to me.
16: You are in danger, Mary. This child. What is his name?
13: Jesus.
0: Journey to Bethlehem Starring Fiona Palomo, Milo Mannheim, Lecrae, Joel Smallbone, and Antonio Banderas Rated PG, rental guidance suggested In theaters everywhere now Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com
4: It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy.
5: And when you go to the monks through SunriseMorningShow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy.
4: Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store.
5: Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through SunriseMorningShow.com.
0: The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. This is Dr.
17: Ray Gurendi from The Doctor Is In. You call in and we will talk about what matters to you in your life. We can put our heads together to help you solve the problems of life and to use your faith to get even smarter.
11: The Doctor Is In with Dr. Ray Gurendi. This afternoon, 1 Eastern on EWTN Radio
13: on the next more to life marriage madness
18: marital struggles will help you celebrate the relationship god wants for you
9: that's later today on more to life now back to the sunrise morning show
5: Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Jared Stout. He is author of How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization from Tan Books. Today we're going to be talking about a free study that he's going to be doing for the Institute of Catholic Culture over the next few months over so at Institute of Catholic Culture.org. Good morning, Dr. Stout. Good morning. So, Jesus of Nazareth Discovering Christ with Pope Benedict the 16th. This will be taking place on various Monday nights. The first one is this coming Monday, November the 20th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. How will you be conducting this series, Dr. Stout?
19: Well, this isn't a class, it's a book study. So I certainly will be offering my thoughts on what we're reading, but there will be more time for interaction and questions and comments than we would have in a normal class. And Jesus of Nazareth is in three volumes, and, and one of the, the neat things about this study is how we're lining up with the liturgical year. Yeah. The main volume of Jesus of Nazareth is focused on Jesus' public ministry from the baptism onward. But during Advent, we're actually going to take a break from that, and we're going to look at the infancy narratives, which was actually the final part of the trilogy, um and then we'll pick back up after Christmas to finish that that first main volume but then when we get into Lent we're going to be switching over to the second volume which is focused on Holy Week
5: nice i am so pumped about this and in particular because of the reading plan which by the way folks if you want to see the reading plan so that you know what to read ahead of time to be part of the study um, you can go to instituteofcatholicculture.org, dot org, and uh, there's a little card on the front page of the live events page anyway that uh, that you can click on, and and a link there to download the reading plan and to register. Again, this is for free uh, to be a part of this with Dr. Stout and Dr. Stout. I'm just wondering you know why you wanted to do this series i mean we love benedict the 16th but what do you think is is the brilliance of this jesus of nazareth trilogy in in how pope benedict really illuminates and and helps us to i guess appreciate for lack of a better word the life of our lord
19: you know it's very personal for me because when i was in high school i i was being taught the Old Testament through this textbook, and the textbook just explained everything away. You know, no, nothing mm. really happened the way that the Bible said it did and, wow. you know, this and that. And all. I, I stood up at the end of the class, and I ripped the book in half and threw it in the trash can. Wow. And after that, I just avoided <laughs> biblical studies. <laughs> I mean, I have a doctorate in theology, and I just avoided biblical study. Wow. Wow. And actually, um, it was during my graduate studies that Benedict became Pope. And it's interesting. He started this series before he became Pope, but he wrote most of it while he was Pope. And so it's it's pretty extraordinary for a poet to be working on a theological project like this that's not officially a part of his duties or even part of his magisterial teaching. This was mm-hmm. a personal work. Uh, but reading it completely changed the way that I approach the Bible. I think I always personally, you know, w- w- had a spiritual devotion to the Bible, but academically, you know, really opened my eyes and taught me the right way to, to read the Bible for theology. And that is, well, first of all, that the Bible is talking about real things, right? So, Benedict very strongly points us to the historical reality especially of Jesus, but of the narrative of the Bible as a whole. Secondly, that he's reading this along with the whole tradition of the church, right? So that we're we're not just picking up the Bible today and then trying to figure it all out on our own. But then the third thing, and and this is what made a lot of difference for me, is that because the Bible is rooted in historical realities— that modern historical critical studies can actually be helpful because they help us to understand the time. He said, "Now we can't take that too far, right? We, we shouldn't expect modern historical studies to be able to tell us about the truth of the Bible. You know, they, they all claim that they can, but he says they don't. And so we need to have a hermeneutic of faith, which he also calls – an ecclesial hermeneutic. A hermeneutic is a way of interpreting. So the way that we interpret the Bible must be rooted, first of all, in faith, but second of all, in the community of the church. And then we can take the fruits of modern historical studies and bring them into a hermeneutic of faith. Mm. That was revolutionary for me, and and it's deeply impacted me, and um. I'm very excited to get into this with everybody in the study.
5: So can you explain how that is done? I think so many of us in modern times feel like we have to impose ourselves onto Scripture rather than receiving it with the eyes and, and the mind and the heart of faith.
19: Yeah, I mean, here's a basic example. The Jews were expecting the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you could look into the text itself, you know, and when you, when you see the word Christ, it can be hard even linguistically, and this is why it's important to unpack this. When people call Jesus the Christ, the word Christ means Messiah. So what were the Jews expecting for, for, for a Messiah? And how did Jesus change those expectations? If you're just sitting down, even as a faithful Catholic, and you're trying to read the text on your own, you're going to have a hard time doing that. But if you look at modern historical scholarship, they're going to say, well, well, let's look at all the other contemporary sources. What did other people at the time say that they thought the Messiah uh, would be like? Who were other people claiming to be the Messiah? Because there were people claiming to be the Messiah. And, and what were they claiming to do, like to lead a military revolt, for instance, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Pope Benedict will say, well, what did the Church Fathers say about understanding the identity of the Christ, you know? And he brings these things together in in a beautiful synthesis, right? And so, he is very devotional, right? So, these things do relate to our own relationship with God, but they're historical realities that can be studied and that do actually help us to understand what we believe better, because we can know more about the time, right? Um, But also Ecclesial, that we really aren't reading this in in isolation. We're we're joining a, a people that goes back thousands of years who have been trying to understand the will of God as He's revealing it.
5: Well, that's what's so incredible about the fact that we have a God who came into history. We can use it all.
19: Yeah, and, and we always say that, you know, with the Catholic approach, that it's a, a you know, both and, not either or. Mm-hmm. And I certainly, I think, had an, an either or mentality with scripture. Like, okay, for me, this is what I believe. This is my faith. I I, I listen to the scriptures at church. And a, as a theologian, well, I, I'm not going to pay attention to all those historical critics because they're just trying to undermine the truth of the Bible, you know. And Benedict says, no. We don't have to be afraid of that, and there's a lot we can use, and we also have to be wise enough not to get drawn down into all these problematic conclusions, so we just have to be judicious. Arise, it's a
6: new day, hear
19: his word, let
7: us pray, the
1: sunrise.
4: It is Wednesday, the 15th of November, the Feast of St. Albert the Great. Let's begin with a prayer of his in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We pray to you, O Lord, who are the supreme truth, and all truth is from you. We beseech you, O Lord, who are the highest wisdom, and all the wise depend on you for their wisdom. You are the supreme joy, and all who are happy owe it to you. You are the light of minds, and all receive their understanding. From you. We love you above all, we seek you, we follow you, and we are ready to serve you. We desire to dwell under your power, for you are the King of all. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Albert the Great, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along here on a Wednesday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Ackerman at the controls, and Travis has got our video feed up and running. You can access that in the show notes at SunriseMorningShow.com, and uh, see if the—I don't know—if my glasses match my shirt or whatever. You can see you can see it in the uh, in the video stream. Father Philip Michael Tangora will join us this morning. Our canon law correspondent will also check in. With Carlo Broussard from Catholic Answers, Father Augustin Weta has more stories of old monks to help us with our decision-making and discernment process. And then Dr. Michael Dauphiné will discuss uh, the Pursuit of Wisdom course he's doing for Ave Maria University. He uh, drew the C.S. Lewis card, so that's what he's teaching on. Very much looking forward to talking to him about that. Right now it is two minutes past the hour. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell.
5: Good morning. The White House is confirming Hamas does operate out of several hospitals in Gaza. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters that does include Al-Shifa, which is the largest hospital in the city. Video has shown patients trapped by fighting and bombardment around the site. The hospital is without power as well. Kirby said the militant group uses tunnels underneath the hospital to store weapons and hold hostages and is prepared to respond to an Israeli military operation against the facility. In Washington, the House has passed a stopgap bill that will prevent a government shutdown. Brian Shook reports.
6: On Tuesday, the House voted in favor of a Republican plan to fund some departments until mid-January and the rest through early February at current spending levels. The bill now heads to the Senate where it has bipartisan support. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said he would pass the legislation as soon as possible. I'm Brian Shook.
5: The U.S. bishops held elections during the first public session of their fall General Assembly yesterday. Archbishop's The Archbishop of Oklahoma City, Paul Coakley, was elected secretary of the USCCB. Bishop David O'Connell of Trenton, New Jersey, elected chairman of the Committee on Catholic Education. Bishop William Byrne of Springfield, Massachusetts, elected chairman of the Committee on Communications. Bishop Robert Brennan of Brooklyn was elected chairman of the Committee on Cultural Diversity. Bishop James Massa of Brooklyn, an auxiliary, was elected chairman of the Committee on Doctrine. Bishop Daniel Mugenborg of Reno was elected chairman of the Committee on National Collections and Bishop Daniel Thomas of Toledo, Ohio, was elected chairman of the Committee on Pro-Life Activities. The bishops also heard various reports from current committee chairman, as well as an opening address from USCCB President Archbishop Timothy Broglio and the Apostolic Nuncio, Cardinal Christophe Pierre. President Biden and Chinese President Xi Jinping will be meeting face to face today. The two leaders are scheduled to meet on the sidelines of the Asian Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit, which is underway in San Francisco. Biden told reporters yesterday the U.S. wants to restart military communications between the two nations. He said the U.S. and China should be able to pick up the phone to talk to one another in a crisis. The Federal Reserve could start cutting interest rates in the spring. Mark Mayfield has more.
7: That's according to a new estimate from UBS Investment Bank. The cuts could come as early as March. UBS said easing inflation could pave a way for a 2.75% decrease in the interest rate over the year. That would almost have the current 5.5% rate. It also predicted the economy would go into a recession by next year's second quarter, which would enable a rate cut. I'm Mark Mayfield.
5: Six people are dead and 18 injured after a charter bus carrying high school students crashed in central Ohio. The Ohio State Highway Patrol said the crash happened yesterday morning on I-70 when the bus was rear-ended by a semi east of Columbus. The bus and four other vehicles were involved in a chain reaction crash with three of the vehicles catching fire. The bus was taking banned students and their chaperones from a high school in Newark, Ohio, to a conference in Columbus. And the Holy See yesterday released the Pope's message for the next World Youth Day, which will be celebrated in local parishes. The theme this year is taken from Romans twelve twelve, rejoicing in hope. The Holy Father said, quote, as young people, you are indeed the joyful hope of the church and of a humanity always on the move. I would like to take you by the hand and walk with you on the path of hope, end quote. Today is Wednesday, November the 15th. It is the Feast of St. Albert the Great, the universal doctor of the church, the teacher of another doctor of the church, the angelic one, St. Thomas Aquinas. St. Albert the Great, co-patron of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, where the Sunrise Morning Show is based. Pray for us. Father Philip Michael Tangora joins us next. We're coming up on 7 Past here on the Sunrise Morning Show.
13: Are you longing to hear God's voice? Lord, teach me to pray. The free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to His voice, to the peace you're seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy by knowing Jesus personally. Lord Teach Me to Pray is free. Just go to LordTeachMetopray.com and click on the red box and order the Lord Teach Me to Pray series. Again, that's LordTeachMetopray.com.
0: Support is from Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem, a Christmas musical film for the whole family.
13: This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. Look at the star. This
16: is it. you truly believe that this child is the chosen one? What is his name?
13: Jesus.
0: Journey to Bethlehem. Rated PG. Federal guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere now. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com.
5: Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Philip Michael Tangora. He's a pastor, canon lawyer, and author of Holiness and Living the Sacramental Life. Good morning, Father.
3: Good morning, everybody.
5: It's good to have you back. And the U.S. bishops have been meeting in Baltimore this week at their... General Assembly. And these kind of gatherings always open with, among other things, an address from the president of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. And currently, the U.S. bishops are led by Archbishop Timothy Broglio, who is the Archbishop of the Military Services of the USA, which I think gives him a rather unique perspective on the church and the world so with that in mind father what stood out in his address to you
3: well he addressed the unique role that u.s bishops are going to need to play in using their prophetic voice to call for peace as we all know in the world right now the united states is pretty much fighting two proxy wars one against russia just two, via the ukraine well (laughs) Two that are uh, that are uh, military conflicts, others that are cyber uh, mm-hmm. conflicts and economic warfare and things of that sort. Uh, so we have the, the one in, in the Ukraine slash Russia. And then we have now the one in the Holy Land. So Israel and uh, Hamas slash Palestine slash Iran slash the Middle East. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And in each and every single one of these uh, conflicts, the United States is, in essence, fighting this pr- as a proxy, mm-hmm. uh, using Israel or using the Ukraine to engage in a military conflict that uh, they wouldn't, they're not directly involved in. Yet we need to be a voice for peace. And this is what Archbishop Broglio, uh, and this is what uh, the whole world is really calling for, uh, especially the United States to be in this moment, is a, a voice for peace. And as we're coming into the Advent season in way too short of a time, it seems, <laughs>
19: yeah.
3: uh, you know, uh, and that is a season of peace. Yeah. That is a season where we are called to come upon the Prince of Peace, and to recognize uh, his mother as the queen of peace, and seek uh, seek that message of peace. And I, I really feel that Archbishop Brolio is very right that you know our our military has been engaged in conflict for many years now, and 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 really what the world needs is peace, and not uh, the beginnings of of a third world war, which seemingly looks like it is on the verge of
5: i mean pope francis himself has said that we are already in the midst of a world war in his perspective that mm-hmm. this is i mean there are things happening all over the world and your head kind of spins doesn't it father when you think about i mean you mentioned the two big ones that make the headlines but they're all kinds Yeah, but then of you have the happening. south
3: china you've got the south china sea and taiwan and Myanmar, china and
5: there's um, that that has gone out of the headlines. You've got things in in sub-Saharan Africa like Nigeria, um, Nigeria, yeah. Uh, stuff going on in Syria. There's Yemen. I mean, to you, it, we 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 get we get fixated on on the big ones, of course. And and you know, I was thinking about the the Hamas Israel war because, of course, that's the one that's on everybody's mind. There are marches going on sure. all over the United States um on either mm-hmm. side of of this conflict right now and 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 I was thinking about it all kinds of people outraged um about about what Israel is doing you know they're bombarding um Hamas around around these hospitals but then the US mm-hmm. just confirming that even though people innocent people are dying through no fault of their own it turns out the US is confirming Hamas is Stockpiling weapons underneath these hospitals, these hospitals and, and holding hospital, holding hostages. And yeah. I mean, it's just unreal. So some people might wonder, how do you become a yeah. prophetic voice for peace in such a complicated world?
3: I, 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 well, th- this is
17: what
3: this is where we really do need to be uh, a little bit more sophisticated, yeah. and we can't just allow for uh simple answers yet we cannot lose sight of the simple goal mm. the simple goal is truly peace fr- uh, fraternity through unity peace through unity and that because peace is the product of unity it flows from unity so if we can unite people then we can bring about peace all right so what we need to do is strengthen and get people together in order to uh, provide for greater unity. And if that unity is affected, and that's that's where it gets very complicated, obviously, because when one side wants all of these people dead and the other side wants all these people dead, mm-hmm. that's kind of hard to reconcile. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why there has to be uh, a witness to peace, prayers for peace, uh, uh, the dialogue, you know, people will talk a lot about the First Amendment and how uh, the answer is not censorship, but more speech. Well, we have to provide a louder voice for peace, for unity, that it starts to resonate in the hearts and the minds of people. And that's why I began this by saying it's the usage of one's prophetic voice through teaching, through speech, more speech that is engendering unity instead of hatred. And uh, instead of uh, fueling debate, because no heart was ever converted through debate, we need to really just get that language of unity and peace out there more and more and that is how you turn the tide through witness and through using that prophetic voice to proclaim peace to proclaim unity that will ultimately uh, resonate deeper within the hearts and the minds of humanity of our brothers and sisters in this one human family uh then the language of hatred and violence and vendetta and whatever.
5: Father, can I ask one more thing? And that is I'm sure you are aware of those who scoff at the idea of thoughts and prayers, right? And (laughs) say you're not doing anything. And I'm going to set thoughts aside uh, because we are a Catholic radio station. Um, Yeah. What is the power of prayer in times like this?
3: The power of prayer will change hearts and change the world. And when we witness to prayer, when we, by praying, when we give that witness, I I mean, there's nothing more moving. I I think that if if one of these pro-Palestinian rallies that have been so frequently uh seen on television and whatnot if instead of standing in the middle of the streets or closing down grand central station in manhattan like they did last thursday uh, uh, if they would just get on their knees and pray i think that that would be such a more powerful witness and testimony
5: certainly would change our own hearts if we prayed more that's for sure We've been talking to Father Philip Michael Tangora, and you can find his book, Holiness and Living the Sacramental Life, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, really appreciate your thoughts this morning. Thank you so much.
3: All right. God bless everybody. Pray for peace, witness to peace, peace and unity.
5: Amen. Amen to that. Thank you, Father. All right. It's 17 past. We're back with headlines right after this.
8: double. MediShare works too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy, or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844 55 Bible. That's 844 55 Bible.
13: 844 55 Bible. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit. On the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. EWTN's Religious Catalog has terrific suggestions for Christmas gifts. The Prayer Book for Tired Parents, Practical Ways to Grow in Love of God and Get Your Family to Heaven by David and Debbie Cowden will help you develop a home brimming with love, peace, and faith that will help your family become the saints God made you to be. The Prayer Book for Tired Parents is one of many great Christmas gifts from EWTN Religious Catalog. For more, visit EWTNRC.com today.
4: 19 pastors, Anna with headlines.
5: The White House is confirming Hamas does operate out of several hospitals, including the largest hospital, al-Shifa, in Gaza. The U.S. bishops held elections during their first public session of the Fall General Assembly yesterday, and Pope Francis has written a letter that the Holy See put out yesterday for the next World Youth Day, which will be celebrated locally
4: news at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Uh, and it is the Feast of St. Albert the Great. Mm-hmm. Glad that you're uh, you're along here with us as we celebrate it in the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. <clears throat> I mentioned that Dr. Kevin Vos, the late Dr. Kevin Vos, a longtime Sunrise Morning Show regular, had a book uh, where he unpacked St. Albert's thoughts uh, mm-hmm. and the way that he approached nature. I wanted to share a couple more questions that he oh, l- logs here <laughs> that Albert the Great... Mm-hmm. Uh, Goes through because it shows you the range of Albert wanting to tackle massive intellectual issues, but also like quirky, just like human questions. So, uh, questions about whether the marrow is necessary for the bone's nourishment that's a technical, Mm, scientific question, but also whether fish can hear. You ever think about that? Saint Albert did. Or (laughs) why do some people who eat more not gain weight, and why do some people who eat only a little gain lots of weight?
5: (laughs) Oh man Even
4: Albert the Great Thought about this
5: That's incredible I'm telling
4: you He thought about literally
5: The universal doctor
4: St. Albert the Great Pray Pray for for us. us love anything pumpkin flavored and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee.
5: That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission.
4: While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store.
5: Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk coffee
13: at sonrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com.
18: This is Father Rob Jack with the Sacred Heartbeat. One of the titles given to the Sacred Heart of Jesus is Burning Furnace of Charity. Who can purify the human heart? Who can change our selfish love into a selfless love? The answer to both these questions is Jesus Christ. Christ's love for all people is intense and passionate. He desires to purify our hearts of all those things that prevent us from truly receiving God's grace. The mystics have described the heart of Jesus as a burning furnace which destroys sin. God puts nothing in the path of his love for us, but we put many things in the way of our love for God. By giving our hearts and souls and minds and bodies over to the Lord, we're asking him to remake us over into his image, not ours. Let us not be afraid to enter into the furnace of God's love. It's the only way that we will ever know Christ better. Heart of Jesus' burning furnace of charity. Pray for us.
5: It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. So happy to have you along with us on this Feast of St. Albert the Great. Pray for us. Carlo Broussard back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's an apologist with Catholic Answers, host of the Sunday Catholic Word podcast, available at com. You can invite him to speak at your parish through com. We're going through his book from Catholic Answers Press, The New Relativism. Good
2: morning, Carlo. Hey, good morning, Anna.
5: It's good to have you. We are in your chapter entitled, Thou Shalt Not Be a Judgmental, Hateful Bigot. And I think I've mentioned before that I do not want to be a judgmental, hateful bigot. So when you put it that way anyway. So can you remind us uh, just quickly what, uh, what they mean by that?
2: Yeah. So what they mean by judgmental, hateful, bigot is simply anyone who criticizes certain lifestyle choices, in particular within our modern climate, lifestyle choices associated with the LGBTQ plus community, lifestyle choices involving same sex sexual activity, so-called sex reassignment surgeries, males presenting themselves as females, um, the, quote unquote, the transgender lifestyle, these would be the sorts of lifestyle choices that, if viewed and expressed to be immoral, then one is labeled as being judgmental, hateful. Mm-hmm. One is viewed to be a bad person simply for calling out as immoral these particular uh, lifestyle choices or be- human behaviors. Yeah, so and- that's what they And you point out
5: in the book here that you don't have to scratch the veneer very much to find the moral relativism that is underneath this accusation. So tell us about that.
2: Yeah, well, if you think about it, notice how right when we try to offer a critical evaluation of a human behavior – we're somehow shut down. And the implication is, as I see it, is that human behavior is off the table mm. for moral evaluation. It's as if you can't morally evaluate human behavior and offer a critical evaluation of it. Now, if you think about that, Anna, what you see is that that smacks of moral relativism because within the mental framework of moral relativism, guess what? Human behaviors are off the table for moral evaluation. (laughs) You cannot criticize someone else's behavior or action and say it is immoral because within the mental framework of moral relativism, there is no immoral behavior, objectively speaking. Mm. The truth about the good of the human behavior is entirely dependent upon the individual and the individual's judgment. It's relative to the individual. So there can be no objective right or wrong, good or bad human behavior, bad human behavior for us to criticize. So we come back over to the modern climate and what are we told? You can't criticize these lifestyle choices. And if you do, you're a bad person. Now, there's some incoherence there because they're saying we're wrong for offering the criticism, which (laughs) is, is a moral evaluation of our behavior. And so the question would be, well, why can you morally evaluate my behavior in a negative way? But I can't do that for these behaviors. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is that human behavior, in particular, these human behaviors that we're talking about seem to be off the table and not subject to moral evaluation. And that's where moral relativism is creeping in.
5: Yeah. And can you talk more about this? Because it is so... What's the word I'm looking for? Confusing that certain behaviors are considered to be like synonymous with you yourself, like you as a person. And then there are some that they just think is like an action that can be. I almost feel like they think, yeah, you can judge actions, but my actions are actually who I am. Does that make sense?
2: Yes, there's a, collapsing, there's a collapsing of the behavior into the very identity mm-hmm. of the person uh, and such that whenever we offer a criticism, we're perceived as attacking them as a person rather than offering a critical analysis of the behavior itself. Now, there's some half-truth to that mm-hmm. because our behaviors, our acts, Anna, actually do determine the moral quality of our character. such that when i engage if if i were to engage in adultery i would be an adulterer if i were to lie i would be a liar they actually determine the moral quality of our soul such that bad behavior makes people bad people okay Mm -hmm. however here's the problem when within the modern climate These behaviors are viewed to be identical to the very identity of the person such that they're locked into it. So if I offer a criticism of your behavior, Anna, you're perceiving it as an attack on you as a person in the sense That you're locked in, you cannot change your behavior because within moral relativism, there's no good behavior for you to change to. And so the implication is that you are locked in and that's intrinsically you. And so when I criticize the behavior, I'm criticizing you as an intrinsic person, right, that you wow. can't get away of, you can't get out of.
5: This one is going to be hard to refute, but I know you've done so. There, are, Wow, there's a lot left in this chapter that we got to cover here, and we'll get started on that the next time we get together, uh, refuting the, uh, the relativism that is inherent in this accusation of being a judgmental hateful bigot but encourage folks in the meantime to pick up a copy of the new relativism from catholic answers press which you can find linked at Sunrisemorningshow.com. carlo i appreciate it thank you
2: thank you anna god
5: bless you too thank you very much it's half past the hour now on the sunrise morning show it's time for news The White House is confirming Hamas does operate out of several hospitals in Gaza. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters this includes al-Shifa, which is the largest hospital in the city. Patients have been trapped by fighting and bombardment around the site. Kirby said the militant group uses tunnels underneath the hospital to store weapons and hold hostages and is prepared to respond to an Israeli military operation against the facility. Meanwhile, a bipartisan group of senators is warning Iran to not turn this conflict in Gaza into a regional war. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham says the resolution introduced yesterday urges the U.S. to strike Iran if Americans are killed by Iranian proxies in the Middle East or if Hezbollah opens up a second front against Israel. Dozens of U.S. troops in Iraq and Syria have been injured in attacks carried out by Iranian-backed groups Both Hezbollah and Hamas are backed by Iran. Meanwhile, in Washington, the House has passed a stopgap bill that will prevent a government shutdown. Brian Shook has more.
6: On Tuesday, the House voted in favor of a Republican plan to fund some departments until mid-January and the rest through early February at current spending levels. The bill now heads to the Senate where it has bipartisan support. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said he would pass the legislation as soon as possible. I'm Brian Shook.
5: The U.S. bishops held elections during the first public session of the Fall General Assembly in Baltimore yesterday. Oklahoma City Archbishop Paul Coakley was elected secretary. Bishop David O'Connell of Trenton, elected chairman of the Committee on Catholic Education. Springfield Bishop William Byrne was elected chairman of the Committee on Communications. Brooklyn Bishop Robert Brennan was elected chairman of Cultural Diversity. Auxiliary Bishop of Brooklyn James Massa was elected chairman of the Committee on Doctrine. Reno Bishop Daniel Mugenborg was elected chairman of the Committee on National Collections and Toledo Bishop Daniel Thomas, elected chairman of the Committee on Pro-Life Activities. The second day of public sessions for the U.S. bishops continues today. The U.S. and China are expected to announce a deal today that would crack down on the flow of fentanyl. President Biden is expected to announce an agreement when he meets with Chinese President Xi Jinping in San Francisco today under the agreement. China would go after companies producing chemicals used to make fentanyl, and the Biden administration, according to Bloomberg, would in return lift restrictions on China's Forensic Police Institute, an entity the U.S. has previously accused of human rights abuses. The Holy See yesterday released the Pope's letter for the next World Youth Day to be celebrated locally. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tollick reports.
16: The theme of Pope Francis' World Youth Day letter, Rejoice in Hope, is a quotation from St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Reflecting on the saint's words, the Pope says that youth is a time full of hopes and dreams. However, he notes, we are living in a period of crisis when for many people, including the young, hope seems absent. Many, he says, feel, quote, as if they are in a dark prison where the light of the sun cannot enter. In such situations, Pope Francis asks, how can we experience the joy and hope of which St. Paul speaks? One important strategy, he says, is to recognise that hope is, quote, not a product of our human efforts, plans or skills. It is rather born of an encounter with Christ. Christian joy comes from God himself, from our knowledge of his love for us. A second method for maintaining hope in the midst of suffering, Pope Francis says, is to recognise that we can also be part of God's answer to the problem. Created by him in his image and likeness, the Pope says, we can be signs of his love, which gives rise to joy and hope, even in situations that appear hopeless. Having received this joy and hope, Pope Francis continues, we cannot keep it to ourselves. Nurture the spark that has been kindled in you, he urges, but at the same time, share it. You will come to realize that it grows by being given away. In particular, he asks, stay close to your friends who may be smiling on the outside but are weeping within for lack of hope. Do not let yourselves be infected by indifference and individualism. We cannot keep our Christian hope to ourselves, Pope Francis urges. It is meant for everyone. I'm Joseph Tullock.
5: Thousands of Starbucks baristas will soon be on strike. Unionized baristas across the nation hit the picket lines Thursday on the company's so-called Red Cup Day, a popular promotional event when Starbucks gives out holiday themed reusable cups that's the news on the Sunrise morning show it's 35 the
14: sunrise.
4: It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy.
5: And when you go to the monks through sunrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy.
4: Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store.
5: Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sunrisemorningshow.com.
18: This is Father Rob Jack with The Heart of St. Paul. When we think about the mystery of God and redemption, sometimes the answers seem a little complicated. St. Paul, however, keeps reminding us that the gospel of Jesus Christ and our redemption is very simple. He says this, The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. In other words, sinners could not reconcile themselves to God. Only God could do this. And so he sent his only begotten Son as our Savior to bind us to him in a new and everlasting covenant. Who are the sinners then? St. Paul tells us that he was the first and foremost of sinners, but he was given mercy by Jesus for an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Like St. Paul, Jesus has shown us his mercy so that we too can be an example for those who were to believe in Christ for eternal life. If you or I were the only persons who had ever sinned, Jesus would have come for us and died for us alone. He desires that we have this life. And Paul's joy in sharing this life motivates him to tell others about the mercy of God and to repent from their sins. To be a Christian, we must admit that we are sinners, but God in his great mercy gives us his Son so that the sin that separates us will be replaced by the grace that makes us his children. And this is what comes from the heart of St. Paul.
4: Thank you for joining us on this feast of St. Albert the Great, the Doctor Universalis. And uh, there are a lot of people who are doctors of a lot of things in the life of the church. But if you are the universal doctor, that means that you thought and talked and wrote and prayed about a lot of things, and so St. Albert the Great, a great model for anyone pursuing any kind of intellectual uh, curiosity or pursuit, as it were. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Augustine Weta, a Benedictine monk, who's got a book called Pray, Think, Act. It's all about making better decisions with the help of the Desert Fathers. Father Weta, how are you?
20: I'm doing all right. You know, you never know till a couple of weeks later, but so far, so good.
4: Yeah, everything makes more sense in retrospect. Uh, and this is why we look at the stories of the Desert Fathers that have endured for who knows how long. Uh, today we That's get a right. monk doing battle with the devil, uh, or with a demon at the very least. I wonder if you could share that story with us.
20: <laughs> Actually, I think we're talking about uh, a monk who wrote books and then stuck them on the shelf. I could be wrong.
4: Well, I could uh, be wronger,
20: because uh, well, I get which, them mixed up. So which one? <laughs> we'll go with
4: whatever one you're ready to go
20: on. All right, well, maybe we'll we'll talk about demons later, perhaps. I'll go back and have a look. Maybe maybe in my enthusiasm, I may have uh, skipped a chapter or something. Um, But uh, the story that I was thinking of was that an old monk said, the prophets wrote books, then came our fathers who put them into practice, and those who came after them learned them by heart, and then came the present generation who wrote them out, put them on shelves, and never looked at them again. (laughs) Ouch. Yeah, it's a big ouch, because, and I think it's particularly apropos to our current situation, because I think we have a tendency to say, like, well, I, I basically, well, to reject what we don't understand, to say, well, I went to Catholic school, or I was an altar boy, um, and so I understand Catholic teaching, and I disagree on this, uh, without ever actually really looking into it. When I was ordained, I, actually, I uh, some people gave me money, which is pretty useless for a monk, but I went to my abbot and asked him if I could buy the Summa Theologica. And then I made a promise to myself that I would not, I would not leave my vows until I had finished reading St. Thomas's Summa, because you really can't reject Catholic teaching until you have read all of Thomas Aquinas. And um, I'm 50, when well, I'm 23 years into my monastic vows, I still haven't made it past chapter three. So, so you've technically kept your I'm promise, gonna...
4: by the way, of staying in yeah. religious life at least until you finish the
20: Summa. <laughs> well, I mean, I figure if I finish the Summa, I can at least say, well, Okay, now I really have an in-depth knowledge of Catholic teaching. Um, but the thing is, like, I, I think we all have a tendency to think that like nobody ever had it as bad as we do, or that the times have never been quite this bad. But uh, we forget that a lot of these decisions that we have to make have been made by, before by people. And so uh, going and consulting someone who's older and perhaps has made more mistakes, uh can really help, of course, all of this boils down to obedience, right,
4: yeah, yeah, well, it boils down to a lot of things, you know as you're talking about this uh concept of having lots of these books that were recorded and now we put them on the shelves, and you know we have <laughs> uh i don't I think it might have been c s Lewis who talked about it like as chronological snobbery like we're we're the yeah. smartest people because we're here most recently. Uh so yeah. anybody who came before us is probably not that smart. But I think that also um betrays kind of uh I don't know a, a certain prejudice as to what we think are in those books because if all that's in yeah. the, those books is scientific information then of course it's probably obsolete. It might be interesting to right. see what kind of things people were like looking into but it turns out that uh, a lot of those books that remain on our shelves are actually uh wisdom literature Poetry, uh, fiction that understands the human condition in sort of a unique Uh, (laughs) way—you know, spiritual direction stuff. Like, there's a lot of stuff that talks about what it means to be a human being. And if we just say, "Well, those people didn't have the internet, so they must not be as smart as me," we're losing a lot.
20: Right. Well, and if you're, I mean, like a lot of people will say, "Well, I don't believe in religion. I believe in science," but. Uh, I mean, the whole point of science is that you keep disproving what your predecessors proved, right? I mean, I, I, I do you remember an old uh, Saturday Night Live skit by Steve Martin called Theodore of York, medieval barber, <laughs> where he he would he would say something like, you know, a hundred years ago we used to think this disease was caused by fairies, ha 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 ha. Now, of course, we know it's caused by gnomes. <laughs> okay. and you, a, a I mean, if you look at the science of a hundred years ago, you think, how could they possibly believe some of this stuff but the but wisdom does not change like that, it doesn't grow obsolete, yeah, we have a tendency, you're right to think that just because we're older or no, we're not older, just because we're newer we we have we're wiser somehow.
4: There's a great meme going around, and I've seen a lot of variations of it, where uh, the caption says, "I wish I could go back to previous centuries and blow primitive people's minds with my insane knowledge." And then it shows a guy sitting on a rock, like a Sermon on the Mount kind of painting, with all these, you know, sort of yeah. people from first century, like saying, and he says, "You know, and in my day we had this thing called the television," and they're like, "How do you build one?" and the guy's like, "What?"
19: <laughs> yeah.
4: right. because I mean, do yeah, we have all these exactly. things, but we have no idea how we got them or where they came from. We just kind of like run on the fumes of the people who did know how to do this stuff
20: and and then give ourselves credit for being so wise for using their tools that's right yeah and and then, of course, there's just the the, the sense that our elders are idiots, which every teenager at some point believes in his heart. I we uh, St. Louis is the home of Howard Nemirov, who was a great sort of 20th century poet, and I got to go look at his graded papers one afternoon because he taught at one of the local colleges here. And at the top of one of these poetry class submissions, he wrote, "Adolescent angst may come easily to you, but it's boring for the rest of us." <laughs> and I think. I think he's right, I and mean, there's nothing to be learned from just scorning your elders. And, of course, every old person was at one point young, so they probably made some of these mistakes that we're making already.
4: Yeah, you teach high schoolers, so you know this. I know this as a dad, where like, you know, sometimes my son will be like, you don't understand what it's like to be in sixth grade. I'm like, yeah,
20: I'm pretty sure I yeah, do. Yeah, I do. It was yeah. a rough year, man. It was a rough year. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Well, John and John Cashin, of course, had this wonderful. He pointed out that Samuel, the great prophet, when he was young, his calling, uh, God speaks to him, but he has him go twice to an elder before he actually reveals himself. First, he has to go to Eli, who, by the way, was not a very good prophet, <laughs> and and twice he says he, he, that that only after he had shown. Obedience to his elders, did God then give him the vocation of a prophet? Which mm. I think it's pretty insightful, yeah. uh, you know, it being scripture and all. We'll know John Cash and being a well, church father and all. <laughs> Eli,
4: not a good prophet, also not a good father. <laughs> if you read the no, story. no, not a
20: great father, not a But it didn't matter to God. He says, yeah, the first, the first uh, Samuel had to show obedience." yeah you know, even even to a, an unworthy elder
4: yeah something that happens in you when you show obedience even if it's an order that you think i know a smarter way to do this like something gets formed in you if yeah. uh, as long as you're not breaking some sort of a moral dictate uh something happens in your in yeah. your is that 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 wires you to be kind of more receptive to, to doing things that god might ask you to do that you don't fully understand so uh, yes yeah, great stuff father Augustin weta i wish we had more time for old Aww. stories but we'll have to come back around next time thank you as always
20: You've all got right your book. we'll hit the demon next time maybe
4: uh well you will hit the demon as many times as we got to hit him so there you go yeah that's
20: right that's okay
4: have a great Bye-bye. day. We've got Father Weta's book linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. We're back right after this. It's 14 till.
8: MediShare works too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your healthcare. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy, or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE.
4: We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee.
5: That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at morningshow.com, you earn us a commission.
4: While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store.
5: Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com.
13: Hi friends, Janet Williams here. Join me every Wednesday on Women of Grace Live as I welcome new age researcher and blogger for Women of Grace, Sue Brinkman. Sue and I will be talking about all the wacky things that could distract you from your faith. Psychics, yoga, Reiki, crystals, acupuncture, Ouija boards, tarot cards, and astral traveling are just a few of the stranger things we discuss. That's why we call it Wacky Wednesday. So join us at 11 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. on the next more to life marriage madness
18: marital struggles will help you celebrate the relationship god wants for you
9: that's later today on more to life now back to the sunrise morning show
4: the sunrise morning show continues I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Dr. Michael Dauphiné, and we've been going through some of the various courses available through Ave Maria University's Pursuit of Wisdom program. You can find it at the Pursuitofwisdom.org. A lot of Sunrise Morning Show friends and family members who are participating in uh, the putting together of those courses. Uh, Doc, good morning. Welcome back.
12: Good morning. I'm glad to be here.
4: Yeah, glad to have you. And C.S. Lewis is a guy who a lot of our listeners are familiar with, uh, if for no other reason than Narnia and the Screw Tape Letters. Uh, There are, of course, lots and lots of things to get into in regard to the corpus of C.S. Lewis. I took like three different classes on him in my evangelical college. How in the world do you plan to cram him into a course?
12: Well, that's a great question. Um, I think in some ways... uh, what Lewis has a quote where he says, I believe in Christianity as I believe in that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Uh, so it's really this idea that Christianity helps us not only to see right, Christ, but it helps us to see the world. And I think if we take that approach, then the goal is not so much to learn about Lewis, but it's to learn from Lewis. How to see ourselves, how to see God, and how to see what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Uh, and so I use the course to kind of paint little pictures and tell stories both from his fiction and his nonfiction work to help us really discover uh, this idea that the faith is reasonable. It goes, right? It's above reason, but it's not against reason.
4: Yeah, this is a an eye opener for a lot of evangelicals uh, in my world who were just pulling a, a you know a pithy quote from Lewis here and there and didn't understand kind of the worldview he was coming from. There's all kinds of stuff in Lewis uh, that you sort of have to understand in light of the literary tradition, in light of his own sort of sacramental worldview as an Anglican, um, and and even just the fact that he saw what you were saying, like this idea between faith and reason is also connected to the question of faith and science, and, like, seeing that the world is good and God made good things. You know, I think that in the world I came from, so certainly in the Calvinist world, people might translate John 3.16 as, for God so hated the world that he sent his son to die to save you from it, right? And Lewis is kind of like the opposite perspective of that. God made this place good. What is he trying to tell us about himself through it?
12: Yeah, so this is that idea, too, that, you know, Lewis as an Anglican, as a Protestant, uh, nonetheless has a very Catholic worldview, Uh, I think he really helps students uh, encounter the great Catholic tradition, which is really what he loved. He loved the tradition of the medieval, uh, the early Renaissance, but also the patristic. And I think he helps people, you know, who aren't going to be able to pick up Boethius and Aquinas, Augustine and Dante and Milton and Newman, but he kind of just almost absorbs all of their thinking and then represents it to us. And these basic ideas that creation is fundamentally good, um, right, and then that it went wrong, <laughs> you know, that it was good and then it went wrong, and that somehow God intends to put it right, and that he did put it right in Jesus Christ. Uh, and therefore, right, when we follow him, and right, and when we uh, act in our faith, we, one, have to surrender our own efforts. He has this great idea in mere Christianity that faith is an admission of the bankruptcy of our own efforts, but then he takes that same idea to say that, well our perfection is also going to be painful. It's also going to hurt, because we have to kind of die to ourselves. So he's also then able to deal with some of the questions of right suffering and pain. And so I think Lewis is great, because he asks the hard questions, but he says in a way that our great tradition of over 2,000 years right, has even better answers.
4: Well, I'm looking at the courses. <clears throat> They're going to be part of your or the different classes that are going to be part of your course on C.S. Lewis for the Pursuit of Wisdom uh, sessions. So this is thepursuitofwisdom.org if you want to find out more. We're talking to Dr. Michael Dauphiné. Um, I love, first of all, that you do the Chronicles of Narnia as one class, but you do you pick out one to do its own class on, and that's Voyage of the Dawn Treader, which is, for me, hands down, by far, like, my favorite Chronicle of Narnia. Um but I love that you also start everything with the weight of glory, because I, I don't know about you, but to me, that's kind of like the key that unlocks this whole worldview.
12: Yes, yes. So Lewis is a great apologist, right? So one, he kind of helps a lot of people realize that it, it could be, it's somehow fitting in a way. The Christian faith it answers a question that's deep inside all of our hearts. And so, by looking at the weight of glory, he really looks at what are our deepest desires, and he indicates that our deepest desires are always for something more than this world can ever offer. Uh, and so, he raises the simple question: Right? If we have thirst, there's probably water. If we're hungry, there's probably food. We may not find it, but we're the kind of creatures that can eat. And so, he also says, if we have desires that we find are never fully satisfied in this life, it's quite probable, right, that we are actually designed for a fulfillment, right, that is beyond this world, right? We're just um, created to come to know and love God. And then yeah, he looks at the way that christ I'm oh, sorry, go on.
4: No, I was just going to say, uh, we're, we're created to love God, but we're also created to love one another. Uh, this is, t- yes. to me—so there's this line, I would love to get your take on it, as we're, we've only just got a minute or so left. This line yeah. that I read as an evangelical and was so struck by but I didn't have a hook to hang the thought on, and I wasn't sure exactly what he was talking about because I came from a very low church, non sacramental world. And Lewis says in the Way to Glory, he says, "Next to the blessed sacrament itself, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses." I, I wonder, do you get to that line or that thought in this course, or did you have any comment on it?
12: Well, yeah, you know, I, I think that's a great course because I mean it's a great insight because what it, what it helps. Us to show is that if the world is good, human beings in a way are even better, right? Human beings are glorious and splendid creatures who have been tarred and kind of feathered by our own sins and by others. But God's plan is not to punish us, God's plan is to uncover us and to restore us to beauty. And so he has a great line at the end of that where he says, like, we will eventually shine like the morning sun, like the morning dew. Um, and that uh, we will actually become famous, not the kind of fame that we wanted, but the fame before God, right? To hear God say to us, right, well done, my good and faithful servant. So anyway, so I, go to, I set up the course in six uh, individual 30-minute episodes, and I think, I, I think it does a really good job of helping students kind of dive into uh, gaining a, a love for Lewis and really a love for the tradition uh, that he loves so much.
4: Man, this is a great list of, of works, too, that you've got on here. Uh, you've got Mere Christianity, Miracles, The Problem of Pain, and a couple of others. The of Wisdom.org, linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Go check it out and sign up through Ave Maria University. That wraps it up for a Wednesday. I'm Matt Swaim. For all of us here, may God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.